everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Roberts, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Good morning, girls. I'm so excited about today's podcast. Michelle, Kelly, good morning. Good morning. Okay. We have a big story here. June 19th, we decided that, I guess it's a day when we celebrate freedom for Pride Month. I didn't know what Juneteenth was, that it was June 19th. But I told the girls, well, that's perfect. If we're celebrating Pride, let's gift rest. Because every single one of us knows that a proud heart becomes a hardened heart. And when a heart is hardened and it is proud, what happens? It just, things begin to unravel in our lives. There isn't a single person listening today whose life is not in a state of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. And in the quiet of their heart does not know, I've got some issues myself. No matter how proud, how arrogant, however they seem, it's in the quiet places of our hearts that we, and those secret quiet places of our heart that we realize, wait, I'm out of control or I'm the cause of my own problems. Interestingly, those same people, when you encounter them, right, it's a whole different story and they seem proud and arrogant and whatever. I know that's not entirely what the month represents. But at the end of the day, where there is pride, there is no freedom. So I was shocked to know that on Juneteenth is when we celebrate pride. Because first thing that ran through my head is why would they do that? If there's pride, there's no freedom. So I understand the play on words. But the fact is, Behind pride is a hardened heart and a shattered soul. There's pain and there's anger. So you two have been, have a long story with the podcast I had no knowledge of, but you guys stayed up. So I want our whole listening audience to hear about you because one of you represents what's ha- what I address often and what's happening in the mental state and the hemorrhaging heart of our nation, right? In America, we have a broken heart and a shattered soul, and that's why we say that mental illness is this crisis. But Michelle, without further ado, you're a voice for mental health industry and that you've been with them 25 years. And Kelly, you have been in the system for 25 years. One is a professional and the other one is a recipient. And so you guys have a big story. With that backdrop of how we met, I'll let you take it from here. Michelle. Yeah, like you're saying, uh, I've been in the mental health field for over 25 years. Started in my in my 20s back in the 90s, and I've worked pretty much every aspect. You know, inpatient, outpatient, in home services. I work with people with autism, children, adults, families. You name it. Pretty much done everything. And I I started listening to your podcast about a year ago, and something just resonated with me. It was just these were concepts that I know. That I've known all my, you know, professional career, but there was just something missing. And your podcast seemed to, you know, pinpoint what is missing in in the system, you know, treating the whole person. And it just really piqued my interest and just things just started resonating with me. And I started connecting the dots. Thank you for that. Because 
most of our listeners are educators, are in the healing business, or they're in the medical business and in mental health business as well. And the others are really people that have tried everything, have been in counseling for a number of years, and something about what we talk about resonated with them. So thank you. Thank you for that background. I'm just excited because you're going to bring so much context for our listening audience beyond what I am able to give alone. So thank you very much for joining us this morning. Sure. Thank you for your faithfulness and for sticking to it. It wasn't always easy tracking with everything, was it? No, no, it wasn't. (laughs) And I look forward to you saying what things made you uncomfortable. Kelly. Hi, Virginia. It's great speaking with you. What you don't know is I've been friends and have known Michelle since probably kindergarten. And despite having a friend who works in the mental health field, I do have some drug and alcohol and mental health issues that I've been struggling with. And last year, your podcast was really a lifeline to me. At that point, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar two, and I was on all kinds of medication and it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And that's when Michelle told me all about you. And I would just lay there and just soak up every word that you were saying and just trying to grasp everything that I could and was able to get myself off of those medications that were just feeding into the chaos and the confusion and the disease. Wow. That's amazing. How did everything began to unravel for you in terms of the system. And then Michelle, feel free to chime in as you can give context, because there's so many people listening to us today that literally didn't know what to do with the confusion, chaos, and disease that came in whatever form. And I think, I think I was kind of just describing it as Kelly earlier, like, you know, if you break your leg, compound fracture, you know, your bones sticking out of your leg, you go to the emergency room and, you know, there they say, you know, we're, we're going to help you, but, you know, unfortunately we don't have the time, money, resources, or manpower or knowledge. So we're just going to push your bone back in and put a bandaid on it and send you home. And when you come back three months from now, and then what happens, you know, you go home, there's a bandaid on your leg, you know, you get an infection, your, your leg hurts, it starts to affect your relationships, you go back three months later and they say, oh, you know, we're going to clean that up for you. And now we're going to put three band-aids on it and come back in three months. And that's kind of what the mental health system does. It just, it just puts little band-aids on things. It medicates and tells you come, come back in three months and manage care. You know, it's insurances. It's a lot of times insurance won't pay for anything more than a band-aid. That's a good point. You know what, while you were speaking, I feel so much compassion for our colleagues and people who care deeply about the state of mental health, because many of them found their purpose in their own pain, right? And so they became facilitators and because of the confusion, chaos, and disease, they were trying to reconcile to and understand, by the way, nothing wrong with that, right? The point is that individually, we find the purpose in our pain. And I think what what I, I feel so much compassion about in what you just said, Michelle, is that the education system, the conversation we've been having 
for 40, 50, 60 years here in this country, specifically as we deal with mental health, it's just limited. It feels limited and it's been driven by so much philosophy. All your isms drive so much of what's become the philosophical, the political and politics, right? Not just philosophy, but mm-hmm. then you get the political system involved, but all these isms. And so I think what I've observed is that, and I'd like you to comment on this, we have a lot of pieces of good information, mm-hmm. but they're not being brought into wholeness to address a cohesive worldview that is reasonable to the fact that we're dealing with people that have a spirit, a soul, and a body. So there's so much. And then the politics got involved into that discourse, and it's crazy. Right. right. Thoughts about that, Michelle? I've been doing this for, you know, 25 plus some years. And I can see instead of making progress, we are going backwards. When I first started in the field, you know, working in a hospital, and it was, you know, it was the only specialized hospital in the country with an inpatient unit that dealt with children with autism. And at that time, the average stay was three to six months. And we could get so much done, so much progress. You know, parents would come in for training, train us, things like that. And then, you know, managed care and, you know, the insurances stepped in. And then that stay gradually went to, you're lucky if you get now three days what what can you accomplish in three days? Basically a quick assessment and medication and they're out the door and then they come right back in. So it's a revolving door in, out, in, out, in, out. So I don't see any progression. It, it, it's, we're kind of going backwards. Well, I'm inspired. I'm hoping that people like you listening, because all we want to do is we don't want to criticize and attack. What we want to do is have these conversations so we can put our heads together and realize how do we fix these systems? Mm -hmm. But certainly much of where we find ourselves has been driven by all the isms of philosophy and the the infusion of the political system into this whole thing. And then of course the economy of mental health is staggering. It topples global economies, the global economies of small small nations. So there's so much, it's a money grab. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And that's why people like you are so important. And I think all of us that care, that have anybody with a pulse that isn't part of the money grab Mm -hmm. says, hey, we've got it. We can be better. We've got to do more. And that's why your thoughts and your So because I can guarantee you anybody that's not part of the money grab is not in this for the money because there's no money to be had, you know, unless you are, you know, a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, you know, to be brutally honest, you're not going to make ever make more than 45 grand a year. So any, any, anybody that is doing this is not in it for the money. And I don't want to use the old, you know, they want to help people, but they really do. Well, I think Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote an amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score, he, I studied under him for an intensive, for a year of just intensive trauma study um, research. And I got to tell you, he made a statement towards the end of one of our classes, and it goes something like this. But when the system we're working with is more broken than 
the people we're working for, looking to serve, it's time to go rogue and we got to start having another conversation. I think that is the goal. The goal is to do exactly what Dr. Vanderkolk says, and it's to rise up to have an expanded conversation on this. We all know that early childhood attachment trauma and chaos in the home, by the way, has a direct effect on the development of our children. Dr. Bessel Vanderkolk did enormous research on the subject. So Dr. Bessel Vanderkolk basically said the reality is that the thing that's become the mental health system in many cases, at least as it's conventionally understood, is in a state of great dis-ease, if you will, and illness. And it's sicker than the people we're servicing. You can't fix broken people with a broken system. That's it. We cannot Mm -hmm. fix broken people with a broken system. Mm -hmm. So good, Michelle. Thank you for that. But that's what we're dealing with. And Kelly, Mm -hmm. you're on the other side of this. I'm one of the broken people going to the broken system and coming out worse than I was before I went to the system. Why? Well, I was like a partier growing up. And so whenever I had an abortion at age 21, I used alcohol as a coping mechanism that got way out of control. And that led into drug addiction. I was addicted to crack cocaine for a number of years. I was eventually able to overcome that. But the alcohol was an on and off binge. So everything was kind of stabilizing. But then I hit perimenopause. I also had something called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I went to my gynecologist to get help. And she referred me to a psychologist. This psychologist did a little assessment over the phone. And she passed me off to someone who was supposed to be well-known psychiatrist. And this psychiatrist talked to me for maybe 20 minutes over Zoom call, put me on hold. And next thing you know, bing, bang, boom, I'm on lithium because I'm bipolar too. Well, I was told by uh, that premenstrual dysphoric disorder often mimics bipolar too. And so the lithium wasn't working. I was then put on two other medications. One made me angry. I've never had a manic episode until I was on one of these medications. It was like dancing around in my apartment, felt like I was on ecstasy. The other ones made me so angry. I've never been in such a rage in my life. And then she put me on a final medication. I think it was Seroquel that just just totally nodded me out, just made me so tired that I couldn't even function. And so there was something in my spirit that knew that it was wrong, that it was totally breaking me. And I had to titrate myself off the medication and just get away from that. But I was struggling. Were you able to do that by yourself? Were you able to do that by yourself? I wasn't on these medications for a long period of time. It was just a period of a couple of months, but I have never felt more out of control than I was at that time. You have no idea how many times in a given week I hear this story and the calls we, we've received over the last 
decades. Virginia, Virginia, I was praying to God, and this is probably not a right prayer or a nice prayer, but I was, God, please either heal me or let me totally lose my mind so that I just don't care enough to get well anymore. Because I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of having this hope that's dashed every time and nobody can help me. I found myself going to the therapist that they wanted me to go to and I'm bringing my how we love book and I'm quoting you in your podcast and they have no idea what I'm talking about and but I was just grasping on for any kind of hope well I am praying that we can have hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of therapists call in and that I have an opportunity honestly to sit in rooms with Many, 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 many therapists all over the country. And Michelle, this is, I know you're in the social service part arm and mental health part of this, but I tell you, we have got to expand conversations beyond what's conventional so we can hear people like Kelly say, the system's killing me, slowly killing me. Literally. Right. And my soul is my mind, my heart, my will, my conscience, my feelings. It is literally destroying my very soul. I, can we all talk about this? And I think who's going to lead the charge in this discussion is going to have to be people like you, Kelly, and people like you, Michelle. And me, I'm just, I consider the state of California says I'm a thought leader and an educator. So I stay in that realm because I think that's my sphere of influence now. But I did study neuroscience. I, I studied psychology at UCI. And I didn't consider myself an excellent student at all because I always saw education as a means to an end. I didn't see education like most people see education. And it's really ironic because I come from a family of educators. My grandfather was a dean of education in Montevideo in Uruguay, the country where I'm from. And I come from a long line of educators. I always saw myself more as a colander, as a sift. So I kind of had more questions than I felt like I had answers in college. And by the way, it was wonderful. And I'm thankful for the education I received. And I learned a lot of things. But what I really learned was how to reason. And perhaps that's why with rest, I invite people to reason. We have got to reason. That means engage the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience, the feelings. Engage our soul, our very soul, in how we're processing the information we're being given. Whether we're patients, students, leaders, it doesn't matter what we are, what field we find ourselves in. We have got to reason, check with our soul, again, our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience, our feelings, and negotiate what we're being asked to consume and say, is this life-giving or is this diminishing my life? And many people try meds, many people try drugs, many people try alcohol. So the heck what? We try all these things to reconcile this conflict, right? But you guys, when it's not working, it's not working and just stop. We just have to stop and think. Whatever we do, we have to stop and think. Is what is happening to me 
outside of my control or in my control? And I have an easy answer for you. It is always, 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 always within your control. Because you have a little fingerprint that speaks to your uniqueness. And I believe your brain, I might add, which is an infinite system that'll never be replaced or changed or nobody's ever going to give you a new brain. So the fingerprint and the print in our very spirit bears witness of our uniqueness. And if something's not right, it's just not right. Whether you're the recipient of mental health in your case, Kelly, or in your case, Michelle, you're the dispenser. You're in the system. Anyway, did that make sense a little bit? I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but there's so much to talk about around these themes. Absolutely, it did. It did make sense. I mean, I when I first started listening, I was in such a state of confusion, chaos, and disease. I didn't even know if I was understanding correctly, but my spirit was understanding. I might not have been, but it was speaking peace to me. It was speaking life to me. It wasn't I think that's what gave me the courage to get off the medication and to just keep pursuing this. And I didn't listen to your podcast once. There's times I had to listen to the same podcast over and over again, just because you are in that state where you're like, do I understand? And sometimes you don't, and that's okay too. I love what you said. I hear that often. People tell me they've had to listen to the same podcast two, three, four times sometimes. Mm -hmm. You're not in your head, Michelle. Yeah, just sometimes. And then sometimes when you go back, you find other little nuggets that you missed. And mm-hmm. also I found too, with like the podcast, um, you know, I did the first 20 and then I thought, well, I'm going to skip around to things that either interest me or pertain to me. But then there were times when Kelly would point out like, oh no, did you, you know, did you um, listen to the one on Lyme disease? And I say, oh, no, that doesn't really pertain to me. But then I listened to it. And then there were points of that. It was just, wow, this makes sense. This clicks. So there's so many many little things that you can draw out by going back or listening to things that you think don't pertain to you or don't interest you. Well, I think Kelly touched on it a little bit. And I know she had to get up for a minute, but she touched on it a little bit when she said, spiritually things resonate with you but your Mm -hmm. mind's a little bit slow to process it do you know why because your spirit will always resonate with something that's true especially sometimes when your conscience convicts you or let's say accuses you your Mm -hmm. spirit knows something is true at that point of tension sometimes it feels like, oh, thank God I'm not crazy. But other times it feels like I'm not going to do that because I can't do that. I don't have money. I don't know how that's even possible. So you start already defeating the things that your spirit that are resonating within your spirit that you need to do or understand or act on from what you heard. Whenever you're confronted with truth, there's something that doesn't sound right or it sounds right, but you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to press into for everybody listening to us today. There's sometimes, and the girls just touched on this so well, whenever you hear something that you have to listen to two, three, four, five times, I want you to realize that if it accuses you or it encourages you either way, but you don't see a possibility of applying that principle, press into that because that's the very thing you need to be free. 
Did that make sense? I don't know. Maybe I, that was too convoluted. You guys can yeah, say that it. makes sense. No, it did. Yes. I think and we're taught in society, like what they tell us is true and what isn't. And it becomes conventional wisdom. And so you're listening to all that. You're taught that you're regurgitating that. But then when I started listening to your podcast, you're speaking truth and it, you don't understand it, head knowledge, but your spirit is understanding that you're hearing truth, like for the first time. Right. Because I think we discussed too, like, you know, some of the words that you do use in your podcast, like liberty and freedom and things like that. And and Kelly had was, I don't want to say having a difficult time, but like, how do you define liberty? And I'm like, stop trying to use the dictionary. You know it in your heart. You know what it means in your heart, you know, instead of trying to process the exact verbiage for what the definition of liberty is well i went back to the noah webster dictionary that um references 1828 oh my goodness it's like you look up the word light or liberty and it's all it's scripture based and there's so much life in the in the Um, definitions and that's why the knowledge of good and evil becomes really important when you understand the difference of of liberty and freedom. When you understand the difference between the two, then you realize that good and evil is a very short step between liberty and freedom. This is so important. I'm going to try to address this point. Part of what's causing us so much confusion, chaos, and dis-ease is we are not defining words. Much of it is a fruit of what's happened with standardized education. We've escaped from reason. We've stopped reasoning. We don't teach kids how to reason. We teach them how to regurgitate. This is what we're going to tell you. This is what it is. And now let's see how well you memorized it and write and tell us about it. Instead of teaching competing worldviews, becoming familiar with these competing ideas, And then challenging people, what are your thoughts on this and why? Defend your position. It's the same. It was what Michelle said happens in doctor's offices and and how they used to teach, treat children with autism. You used to get them for what? Two, three, four, five months to work with that child to help facilitate and reconcile the side effects and the implications of autism. Instead, and also to teach the parents. Because we used to have a lot of parents come in and say, you know, show me what you do here so I can do it at home, so I can learn, so I can, you know, and and at one point, I remember there were some parents that, you know, they would come and they would say, well, you know, you do parent training, please show us what you do here so I can, you know, take it home. And we had to tell them, no, we, we're not allowed to do parent training anymore because it it's, it's not a billable service. Okay. We are ending this segment on that note because I want to record another short segment with you around the concepts of liberty and freedom, good and light and dark, good and evil. I wanted to have that conversation with both of you, both because you're in mental health and you're the recipient of the system. You you two have inspired me beyond measure. Thank you so much. That note that you just closed us out on, Michelle, that is it in a nutshell. Was that good? (laughs) Michelle, that was so powerful. It's a matter of fact. 
I want you to expound on that as we close, because it's going to take us into the next segment. The bottom line you just said is we used to be able to teach them tools, teach them techniques, teach them. And now it's like I said, it's, it's, it's a bandaid. Here's a pill. There's no time. And the insurance will not cover. Can you imagine Michelle has all the information. These doctors that dedicate their life to studying this, they did it mm-hmm. for noble reasons. They have the answers, but in mm-hmm. comes the system that's crushing mm-hmm. what the people they're supposed to serve. Right. And Michelle right. just basically told us we're not allowed to teach right. the real healers, which are the parents. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't mean to like. You know, I, I know the doctors are doing everything they can. And, of course. So, you know, I, I've known psychologists and therapists and, you know, behavior specialists and things like that. But, you know, now the, I think it's the system is just so un- overrun with people needing help. And there's a shortage of mental health professionals. The ones that are there are they're they're drowning they're, they're burned out or they're retiring. And I find a lot of colleagues are going to other vocations because, you know, it's less, it's less stress, it's less responsibility, and they're making the same money to go to target as you would to be a a case manager or a, you know, in-home behavior specialist. Well, I want to shout out to all the mental health professionals and all the doctors and all of us mental health, everybody in the mental health business and the medical business, and actually in every vocation, if you are drowning in the confusion, chaos, and disease of our time, please hold on. Don't throw everything away. You will make the greatest contribution to your profession and your trade if you understand these principles of rest. They're universal and they have application in a broad spectrum of vocations from ministry to corporate America So and everything in between. So thank you, girls, so much. Closing words. I just want to thank you, Virginia, for what you do. Again, like I, I just want to reiterate, you were a lifeline. You helped me get through one of the darkest times of my life. This podcast is just such a gift. And I encourage people, if you're listening for the first time and you're struggling to get through it, just keep pressing through, just keep listening and, and you'll get it. Your spirit will get it. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Virginia. All right, everyone, for updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. Mm